Hello and welcome. This is the Ultra Working Podcast. I am Chris and I am joined again by Lee Knowlton. Lee, good to have you back on the show. Great to be here. After our last recording, we started talking about you know a few random uh, topics and we arrived at the realization that it's really difficult to actually implement advice um, in general. So, you know, all over the world, and I see this, I've raised this question with a number of people and I get the same, I think, realization and sometimes frustration back from people that, you know, we read a lot of books and books are great and full of great advice. And um, very often when I reread a book, I'll come to the, you know, realization that this book is full of, you know, amazing information that I actually never got around to implementing. I've read this book many, many years ago. Maybe I have a few main takeaways that stuck with me, but you know, the, the brunt of the book is actually unrealized um, and, and, and never made it into a real change in the way that I do things. And we were talking about potential remedies. And um, yeah, you mentioned one approach, one potential approach to me that seems very um, promising in, in actually helping to make advice from any source um, stick in your life. What was the name um, for that? Learn by exaggeration. Learn by exaggeration. And uh, this is how I understood the technique basically to work. In order for us to have the normal version of something stick, we focus for a while on practicing an exaggerated version of the same thing. And once we sort of, you know, take our foot off the gas pedal, we expect that the normal version of it will stick. Yeah, I think that's the core idea. I think that's the core idea. And this is probably more useful for things that are done subconsciously than things that are done consciously. Um, so for subconscious behaviors, uh, I have two examples that I would generally go to. One is when I was um, more, a more active runner. And I don't know if this is good form anymore or not, but like one of the things that the coach used to tell us is a, you know, you don't want just a tiny bit of arm movement. Like you don't want like minimal arm movement. Some people just move their arms a tiny bit. Like you want, you want to get your arms kind of moving, moving at a, a good clip and, and you want them, um, you know, going straight forward, not, not crossing the middle line and all that good stuff. This is a little bit challenging for people who naturally or by default, you know, elementary school, junior high school, stuff like that would just like run and like they would when jogging, only use their arms a little bit. Um, so how do you train this? Well, if you try to get to, if you try to train it by just moving to an ideal position, then when you get tired, you revert to your like not moving very much. So what we ended up doing was rather than, you know, moving our arms a little bit, we would go all the way up to, to our mouth with our hand as though we were trying to feed ourselves. Like, you know, feed yourself, feed yourself, feed yourself as you're running. And then, you know, you get tired and rather than going back to the minimal position, you go back to a little bit more loose, a little bit more fluid, um, more ideal, um, at least at the time, um, running position and running form. So that's the, that's the running story. The other area where I think this is particularly valuable is in uh, use of language. Um, and I could think of it in writing as well as pronunciation. If you're, I mean, like thinking way back in the day, you know, one of the exercises our teacher had us do was like write the adjective essay. Hey, we're going to learn how to really flower up our language by including as many adjectives as possible. And, 
you can get the gist without me telling the rest of the story. But like, you know, when, when you do something like that, you learn what's possible and then your default style, that's just a, a few more adjectives. Pronunciation is the same thing. If you're learning how to pronounce something, you can, in a foreign language, for example, you can, you can do it very slowly and very strong. Like if you're learning how to say an R sound, you can go rough and, and really make it almost ridiculous or pirate or whatever. Make it almost a little bit ridiculous. And then when you're talking quickly in a conversation, then all of a sudden you can go back to default and it's much better than where it started. So learning by exaggeration is the principle. I haven't thought through all the different applications, but those are the, those are the three examples that come immediately to mind. That seems like a very, very interesting, very smart approach. Also, um, both running and speech pronunciation could be considered as both being motor skills. For example, when you you know think about yeah, learning a new language, learning the the tones in that new language, it's a lot about where exactly do you place your your tongue within your mouth. And sometimes, you know, it's quite challenging. So, for example, I tried for a long time to learn Spanish. Well, I, I learned Spanish, but some of the Spanish sounds I just can't get done. The um, trilled R in Spanish, I don't know how to do it. My tongue just doesn't seem to know exactly what needs to be done there. Yeah, there is one um, anecdote that comes to mind uh, for me when I think about this principle where I applied, I would say, this principle without knowing a name for it around seventh grade i deliberately over the course of maybe let's say four to eight weeks completely changed the way that i wrote with my hand my handwriting i changed my handwriting um, i had come out of elementary school writing in a in the, the fashion that they teach students which is this way where basically you write in one continuous move, uh, movement All letters are somewhat connected. And then at some point, it seems that everybody changes to a writing style where you sort of write each character individually. Um, my handwriting was nothing special. It just looked whatever it looked like. I sat to, next to someone who had a really, really, you know, nice and clean and orderly handwriting. I don't know exactly why, but I kind of wanted to be able to write like that. And so I went ahead and really took the time to practice individual letters. I'm like, okay, this is how I'm going to write the E from now on. This is how I'm going to write the A from now on. I did this for every single letter, um, paying a lot of attention to, you know, reproducibility, basically having each letter look exactly the same every single time I wrote it. This absolutely took down my speed um, for the time that I was, you know, paying close attention to it. I can, I can still like sometimes I find old school books and notes from that time, and if I look at my handwriting today, it absolutely is not as clean anymore as it was back then. But it's still very, very clean compared to you know what it was before, and also to just what I see like most people, most people's handwriting look like. And yeah, this would not have been possible without this initial uh, focus on extreme cleanliness. And now, you know, 20 years later, it has regressed somewhat. I don't write, you know, with the same some precision anymore, but it's still a lot better than it would have been able to achieve or would have had otherwise. 
Uh, that's that's amazing. That's amazing. And I know we it's a, a different context, but we talk about regression to the mean. And I guess when you when you learn by exaggeration, you change where the mean is, so that when you finally regress to it, like your your the mean is in a different place. And uh, it's a that is an interesting observation. I like that a lot. Yeah, regression to the mean could absolutely be a factor here. So we know that it's difficult to make these changes which is, I think, why it's very useful to have a toolkit available for oneself, how to implement yeah, certain things that either are hard to implement or are really important for us to implement, you know, something where it's difficult to make a change or a change that is really, really important to us, knowing exactly what methods, what tools, I don't know, what, how, how would we call these, meta tools, meta learning methods for learning. I'm not, yeah, I'm not sure exactly how to classify it either. Having some of those available so we can make, or we can guarantee a high success rate when we do want to make a change, I think is very, very valuable. Yeah, and it also reminds me of the episode that we did where you mentioned the, you know, your approach to, to work, working out, um, where instead of doing let's say, you know, 30 push-ups, you did 31 push-ups in your mind. That guarantees that you're actually going to do 30 really, really good push-ups because you're adding that one final one uh, to the end. That It's kind of the same principle here. Like if you want to do or get to, you know, 100% of a specific standard, you actually should get to, you know, 100% of a standard that's slightly higher so that in case you slip up on, on that standard, you actually still uh, fully satisfy the thing that you initially set out uh, to do. Over a short period of time and then, and then maybe, yeah, maybe you, you learn how to speed things up and when you go back to default. Maybe it maps that way as well. Consistency is an interesting one because 100 like perfectly consistent is certainly the goal and you can't be beyond perfectly consistent, but you can play with quality levels. And uh, you can probably play with speed levels as well. Um, so consistent and fast and like extremely high quality is, it sounds, sounds wonderful, but um, I bet you can, even if you can't, even if you're already perfectly consistent and you want to, to work on the other ones, I suppose you can exaggerate um, how high quality you are and uh, certainly how fast you are or slow, depending on what's more ideal. Yeah, let's say that there is a certain thing that you want to be doing every single day. Let's take as a simple example, for example, some form of meditation. Let's say you want to meditate, you know, sitting still um, for 10 minutes every single day. You probably want to expand the, the range uh, where things feel comfortable beyond your actual target. So if you want to get 10 minutes every single day in, uh, if 10 minutes is, you know, really stretching what you're capable of, then you're probably eventually going to fall off not being able to, you know, stay to stick to that 10 minutes. So I could imagine that what you want to do is expand your comfort zone to where 20 minutes actually feel relatively doable and 10 minutes feel pretty simple. What do you think about that? That's, that's right. So I think those are maybe two slightly different things. Um, the, 
ease of like continuing the meditation or something like that, I see could map really well to this. And like, you know, if you've ever done 10 hours of meditation a day over like three months or something like that, then certainly like 10 minutes a day is probably, probably no big deal. If not, um, maybe a little bit like not enough. Um, but like sitting, the act of sitting down for meditation and, and the hard part about consistency is that these are, are active things. They're things that you like do by thinking about them probably. Um, whereas the, the writing, the handwriting example, the, the pronunciation example, the, the like running arm example and these things like that are, are all subconscious after you do it. Like they're like in the act of doing something else, you're, you're not thinking about having good handwriting anymore. You're not thinking about having good pronunciation anymore or whatever it might be. And so, yeah, really when it's training these subconscious skills, I think that the learning by exaggeration is a particularly powerful tool. Yeah. Cause these can be hard to, they can be hard to train otherwise. Like what if you want to be a more deliberate speaker? What if you want to be a quicker speaker, more fluent speaker, like both, both are possible. And so by pushing a little bit beyond what you think is reasonable, either on speaking super quickly or on speaking extremely deliberately with lots of pauses in between. Like you, you can do it, you can do it, you can do it either way. And, um, and uh, the, the exaggeration is what helps you come back to a more comfortable medium. I think with these things that when you're, hopefully when you're in the moment, you're not thinking about how you're speaking because you've, you're in the moment and focusing on whatever the task is. Yeah, that makes uh, a lot of sense. And uh, last show we talked about communication, and I mentioned or I, you know, thought that it's not always easy to think about the right way to do a certain thing in the very moment when you actually need it. And um, it seems that with practicing by exaggeration, you are turning um, a subconscious act of doing something for a certain time into a conscious decision to do something a certain way uh, at an almost parody-like uh, level and then when you eventually stop focusing on it consciously and let your subconscious patterns take over again uh, you uh, retain you know that that movement yeah yeah i haven't yet met anybody who got stuck in the parody-like way of doing it um, I suppose that'd be amusing if like you, you practice speaking super deliberately and like you just ended up having 10 second pauses between all of your words or, or like, you know, while running, still trying to feed yourself. I haven't met any people like this, um, but uh, I suppose they, they might still be out there. So if this happens to you, then uh, please write into us at podcast.altraworking.com and um, let us know. Okay. And, and I want to mention that we take no responsibility if this happens to you. If you're, you know, stuck in, in weird parody, like, speech or movement patterns it's not because you listen to the this podcast um all right thank you very much lee this was a great episode i think a really interesting tool to add to the toolkit when it comes to making changes in in difficult fields specifically when they relate to uh, subconscious patterns movement speech things of that nature thank you for listening dear listener this was the ultra working podcast as always be well.